Hey everybody, happy Monday. It is May 16th, 2022. And today we're going to talk about all the craziness involving the Biden administration's foreign policy and all the insanity that goes along with it. Um, this morning I was reading a story in the New York Times um, that I saw online. I don't, I don't have like a New York Times subscription or, or anything because I think the corporate press is largely junk. As exclusive information from the Biden administration, so it is valuable to at least you know read their press releases from the regime and to get a sense of what is going on. You just have to look at it through that lens. But I was reading this really interesting story about what's going on in Somalia. And apparently, at some point earlier this month, Biden had signed off on some secret executive order deploying hundreds of American soldiers back into Somalia. And my first reaction to that story was, well, that's kind of a new thing that's going on now, I guess, because when we are basing this, these deployments off of the authorization for use of military force, this was a very public matter when you're sending troops into the greater Middle East region. It shouldn't be done in secret without, I mean, I'm not saying that Congress would really do anything here, but I think that at least the American people should be able to evaluate what exactly is going on. Why is it that the New York Times is just reporting what is why is it? Why did we hear it from the New York Times? Why is there no announcement from the Biden administration? So at the dossier on Substack, I wrote about what exactly is going on with the whole ordeal um, and the history of U.S. involvement in Somalia, touched upon that a little bit, and the present in Somalia. There's all kinds of weird things going on there. And none of these corporate press outlets had tied anything together. And what I found fascinating when I was doing some research for this was that just yesterday, May 15th, Somalia elected a new president through very sketchy means. They held, um, so there's about, I think, 16 million people in Somalia. And remember, this is the day before the New York Times story comes out that we have deployed, the United States has deployed hundreds of troops into Somalia. So suddenly we hear um, yesterday that a new president has been elected and they held this 16 million people. They didn't get to vote, but some of these members of parliament held an election in an airplane hangar and 200 of them voted for the new guy. And now the old guy didn't get enough votes. There were 300 something people. And now there's this new guy and the new guy, he was president under Obama, which I found very interesting. Um, and I looked back at, it's very interesting how you have this global political movements and who decides to support what side. The guy who was previously in office from 2017 on in Somalia, he was patriotic, he was a nationalist, he wanted to focus on Somalia's sovereignty so much to the point where he canceled a lucrative energy agreement with an American company because he thought it 
ended up kind of screwing them over a little bit. And he didn't want their sovereignty threatened. This new guy seems to be basically an installed puppet. And it's an amazing coincidence that one day after his election, we find out that now there's hundreds of ground troops and there's a, their mission is supposedly to go get Al-Shabaab, this um, theocratic cartel that has a lot of control over Somalia because Somalia's been in rough shape for decades now. And it's a lot of it is due to this, you know, neo-colonialist stuff going on where there are powerful Western and even Eastern countries involved in Somalia. And they only seem to be protecting their own interests. And the Somali people sadly have just been screwed time and time again. Um, So I thought it was very strange to see what was going on there. While everyone's focused on what's going on in Ukraine, Biden has, well, whoever's in control of the Biden administration has decided that it's time to go back into the greater Middle East. (laughs) And it's quite shocking because you don't hear about, you, you had this institutional left and they used to be so gung-ho about opposing war and now the democratic party has become well and the republican party but the democratic party under joe biden it's basically just the war party there hasn't been a single condemnation in congress they're not talking about it they're very focused on what's going on in ukraine um i was seeing all these videos coming out that you know the u.s southern border is in such bad shape that you basically have um, migrants at flooding in you know, thousands per day, these economic migrants, and there's all kinds of violence down there, and it's a total mess. And it's sad that you know, we're going to send 500 soldiers with weapons to go around and create chaos in Somalia, but when it comes to our southern border, it's completely open and it's it's crazy. And, and think about the way that like this narrative has been peddled. So we so Biden signs this deal in early May. We don't exactly know what day. On May Monday morning today, May sixteenth, it comes out that through the New York Times that Biden signed this thing. And in the story, actually, you have the National Security Council commenting on the state of affairs in Somalia after Trump withdrew. Uh, so at the end of Trump's term, he decided to withdraw all 700 soldiers from Somalia. They really stopped the bombing. And the, the bombing has been so extensive in Somalia that that the United States has sent hundreds and hundreds of these drones and, uh, you know, fighter jets and they've just been bombing the hell out of Somalia for um since 2007 if you, if you just uh if you just wikipedia or just google or use you know the the free equivalent of those sites but if you look at the amount of airstrikes and drone strikes in Somalia it, it's pretty fascinating how extensive the campaign has been since 2007 and Trump said enough that Somalia is still in terrible shape. You know, there's famine, abject poverty. 
failed governance, the idea that the United States is like making things better there, it, it, it's an impo- it, there's no way you can make that argument that any type of meddling in Somali affairs is, is helpful whatsoever. Um, and I think that was one of the, one of the reasons why Donald Trump, when he was, um, you know, he has a non-interventionist stance, uh, by default. So I think the way he saw it was nothing's getting done there and we're out of here. Uh, so it's only been several months, um, when, but when the, you know, you hear rumblings about Biden coming back into Syria and going into Iraq and bombing and everything. And, you know, people sometimes, one of the shortcomings of the Trump legacy was that he couldn't get out of some of these places in time. Like he didn't get out of um, Afghanistan in time, but he did completely get out of Somalia. So the fact that Biden is now completely reversing that, sending troops into a country. Um, and while they may or may not have the consent of the supposed government there, it, it doesn't seem that the Somali people um, are very excited about more U.S. presence, more U.S. bombings. This is the, you know, it, it's one small subcategory of a foreign policy that has been a catastrophic failure to an infinite degree. Um, And it's just, Somalia is the perfect encapsulation of our our failure overseas. Um, when, When you talk about, like, why are we there in the first place? What are we doing in Somalia? Is there a threat to the... Like you have to really think about this. Uh, look at the 30,000-foot picture about Somalia. Um, again, abject poverty, but resource-rich. So the issue is that there's something, there's some kind of dysfunction there because um, not far away, you have the Gulf states where GDP is very high. Similar natural resources, they figured a way to thrive. Um, Somalia has a really bad security problem, really bad governance problem, really bad food problem. Um, They've been subject to problems with these loan sharks and the IMF and World Bank that set them back. So it's just many tragedies. Um, And the West is basically not being helpful at all. Um, and then there's this whole, like, what is the justification to be in Somalia in the first place? And there's the Islamist militant group, um, Al-Shabaab, which people say are linked to Al-Qaeda. And that's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a stretch. Um, but under the authorization for use of military force against um, Al-Qaeda after 9-11, the, all, all administrations after, during and after the Bush administration have used this to not have to declare war against these several groups and send 
troops everywhere, you know, to fight this so-called war on terror, which has been a total disaster. And Somalia is no exception. So, you know, the, the New York Times says, well, Al-Shabaab now has 10,000 fighters or whatever. And um, the situation is much more complicated than that. There's, for people that are skeptical of the government, you wouldn't be surprised at all to hear of a lot of the issues going on. Um, I, I was spending a lot of time talking to Somalis today about the situation when I was writing my paper and there's all kinds of like funky things that were happening with this thing. Um, you had the U S ambassador meeting with the, um, the newly elected president, like, and, and endorsing him right off the bat to like showcase his legitimacy. You had Congress, they introduced a bipartisan bill, the usual suspects, um, talking about countering Russia and Africa. This was on the last day of April. This bill comes out and then we send troops to Africa um, like a day after possibly. And, and it's, it, it's very interesting. There, there is a lot of collusion behind the scenes and there's a lot of sketchy stuff going on. My instinct based on all the facts is basically that the U S regime under Biden, controlled by a variety of leftist, idealist, globalist actors. They didn't like the fact that Somalia was pushing back. Um, the government at the time, again, was nationalistic and was not, were not fans of foreign intervention, probably didn't like the bombings. <laughs> and the, um, I think the U.S. basically came in and overthrew the government and installed a puppet regime that is subservient to the Biden administration's demands. Um, Somalia is very strategically important territory. And I think it was just one of those um, power projection things. They didn't want Russia to be there. They didn't want China to be there. So unfortunately, um, Somalia kind of got screwed in this situation. Um, but it, it, it's crazy that, again, that we're, we're sending all these troops there. I mean, if you just look at the stories that are coming out today, today, again, if you look at the AAA gas prices, um, highest recorded regular price of gas, 448 average, diesel set a record yesterday, 556 average in America. You have these... Um, baby formula issues that have not been resolved. The FDA is apparently trying to like bail out uh, Abbott Labs to uh, do something about these factories that are making formula. Um, there's all kinds of domestic issues. It, it, it's not like the country is short on things going on in this country. And that's why it was so shocking to see this engagement in Somalia. And in my view, it, it's nothing that they're really saying has anything to do with their true intentions in the, in the country. And it's as, it's as simple as when I was talking, when I was talking about the Ukraine bill, you had this 40, 40 billion dollar monstrosity 
And that was only part of the money that's been going to Ukraine so far. It's been, I think we're at $56 billion now. So we're at $56 billion for Ukraine. But as I talk about, and you can check out my stuff at dossier.substack.com. I've written about the Ukraine war extensively. That in my view, the Ukraine war has just become kind of like a playground for American defense contractors that are more than willing to send all of their weapons into Ukraine so Ukraine can fight a war against um, Russia because the Biden administration, for a variety of reasons, does not like Russia. So they decided that they're going to just screw with Russia in perpetuity Um not even until if Russia backs down. Like one of the reasons why this whole Ukraine fiasco started is because we had a hyper aggressive uh, militant uh, neo-fascist group on Russia's border that was causing all kinds of insanity. Um, And while Russia did invade, it was certainly, you can't discount what was going on there and what happened in Ukraine with another Similar to the apparent Somalia situation in 2014, we had this kind of uh, soft coup. Well, not really a soft coup because there were a lot of deaths that occurred as part of the revolution that kicked out the pro-Russia president in Ukraine. But it seems that it's a very similar situation that we're seeing in Somalia that they want. It seems that the military and defense industry wants to turn they used to have prior to Trump, they had all of these countries that were there acted as basically their playgrounds and um, a a place where they could dump their weapons. And when you dump old old weapons, you get orders for new weapons. Um, And noticeably those remember all of those photos and videos that we saw when, when the U S departed from Afghanistan and how the Taliban had like $80 billion worth of, worth of brand new weapons, never used, uh, brand new vehicles, brand new armor, brand new helicopters, brand new jets. Uh, that kind of corruption and fraud is by design. You know, those, <laughs> those weapons aren't ever made to come back home because then you don't get any purchase orders. And we have this system you know, that some are referred to as a military industrial complex where you have the Pentagon working with the defense industry to basically you know, pump their profits and then the Pentagon gets to do their, you know, imperial adventures. So it's a win-win. And that's the same situation in Somalia. You know, you could say, we're going to go get Al-Shabaab. So you have all these people, you know, all these people in the Pentagon flying drones stocked with the latest missiles made by a variety of defense contractors. And, you know, the planes are from Boeing. Uh, the fighter jets are from Lockheed. The, the missile systems are from Raytheon. You know, they're all getting that skin in the game. And they're just going to continue to um, recycle. And, and this has been the story of America's foreign policy in the 21st century. A lot of people think about this whole war on terror thing rightfully as a war that could never be won 
But from the perspective of our defense industry, it creates a situation where you have endless targets. And that is great for business, sadly. Um, so, yeah, you have a total mess in Somalia. And I really feel bad for them because I've had so many people reaching out to me and like, I don't, I don't know what to, what to tell these people. Uh, but clearly it, it's not a coincidence that there was an election. There was a so-called election yesterday, a new president comes in and today all of a sudden we have a true presence on the ground in Somalia again. Um, and Al Shabaab is again a threat, but how exactly is Al Shabaab going to reach America, what are they going to get um, access to a, a nuclear bomb? Are they going to get on, you know, are they going to build their own airplanes? Um, Al-Shabaab seems very focused on Africa and they do not have the capacity. I mean, it, it's similar to the non-interventionist argument is it's just the idea that this is like a homeland security threat is preposterous. Um, it's exactly why we had to get out of the rest of the Middle East and get out of Afghanistan because it's just, you're just jumping. I, I do hope that our, our troops stay safe there, but they're being put in a dangerous situation. And these populations, while they may be officially welcomed in, you know, similar to Iraq and Afghanistan, we installed puppets who would then welcome them in. Um, into the country, but the people who live there don't want you there. Um, remember, like when when that guy in Iraq in that famous press conference threw a shoe at Bush, and all the news media was like shocked and surprised. Like I thought, you know, this I thought that the Iraqis wanted us here. You know, how dare they? While we're like burning down the entire country and destroying all their infrastructure. <laughs> and it, it's just, it, it's crazy. You know, these people do, will end up resenting us. It, it's just one one disastrous intervention after another. And I, I think what this, what this shows me is that the, uh, I, I'm not, what confuses me is why they decided to withdraw from Afghanistan Maybe they felt that just politically it couldn't stand anymore. But what it shows me is that the same people who were in charge during the Obama years are in charge during the Biden years. I mean, they have a very interventionist, Wilsonian, globalist posture. Um, and and it's, it's, it's paradoxical because you know, these, these people claim to be these like leftist human rights warriors, empathetic and meanwhile, they're conducting like neo-colonial operations in Africa. And it's just, it, it's insane to me. Um, if anyone wants to jump in in the comments or calls, feel free. I'm going to do like five more minutes. But um, yeah, I don't know if anyone would like to share their experience with Colin. Because I am still getting the hang of this thing, so I hope it sounds okay. I've been having some notifications saying that the connection is funky, but I'm like literally sitting next to my router, so I'm not sure how much better it can be. Um, 
but I hope it sounds okay. But yeah, so I don't know what the, um, we can leave this off with some commentary about the latest craziness in Ukraine. Cause a lot of people ask me about, um, what's my take on, you know, they'll send me a story, like a new update on the Russia Ukraine war and say, look what's going on in Kiev or look what's going on in Kharkiv or look what's going on here and there. And say, what do you think about this? Um, well, first you need to look at the source because if, if the source is funky, like if it's from like a Ukrainian journalist or a Russian journalist, you need to take note of that because there's very little to no independent media. There's really no independent media in either country. The Ukrainian journalists who publish out of Ukraine um, are backed by the West and NGOs and you know, the the whole like Soros empire of NGOs they have there that fund their journalism. And then in Russia, you know, it's just state media. So while these people claim to be independent, they're not. But it's very difficult to say tell exactly what's going on with the war. Um, it, it, it will be interesting to see how well Russia, how much it feels it should commit to its objectives um, near the sea, if it really wants to see how many, how much port access it wants to secure before going back to Russia. Um, I, I think there's definitely a few cities that they're just going to take forever. Um, but it should be my, you know, my projection outwards is it, it's not an ideal situation because there's so many weapons and arms going into Ukraine that it's hard to see a peaceful resolution ending this war anytime soon. I mean, there were rumors that when Boris Johnson, the UK prime minister, when he visited the um, Kiev, you know, before the American politicians did their photo ops with Zelensky, that Boris Johnson apparently told Zelensky that, you know, now's not a good time to negotiate. Because I'm sure he said something like, oh, you got them on their backs. But what he was really saying is, you know, my the, the, the defense industry needs to get theirs for a little bit first. And it, that's, it, I don't want to sound cynical, but it, it, it's not cynical. It's just the reality of the situation. It's um, really messed up. And I don't know what the current back and forth is with the military who's winning, who's not winning. I mean, we are sending a shit ton of the West is sending a shit ton of weapons to the Ukrainians. So I would assume that that is, that is helpful. But what I want is peace between these countries. And I don't have, I, I don't think any Americans other than the people connected to the elites have any interests in what's going on in Ukraine. I, I think the only American interest is for the war to end and the idea that this won't blow up in our faces, like that we can just send weapons around the world and Russia is not going to perceive that as the United States partaking in that war too, is a little foolish. And we're playing a dangerous game and I'd rather not see um, the world annihilated with nuclear war. And whenever a country has thousands of nuclear weapons and you 
screw with them to the level that the Biden administration is, you're playing a very dangerous game. You're playing like a Russian roulette situation, and it's not ideal. Um, Russian officials have, and you have like now these efforts, the, you know, the U.S. is pushing Sweden, Finland, Switzerland, you know, come on and join NATO. And, um, you know, Finland, which is right there, you know, neighboring Russia. Um, it's, it's a very dangerous game. Uh, It's very reckless. And I do not think that it's going to, I mean, I don't think that Russia is going to start launching nuclear weapons, but there will be times maybe in future engagements where Russia feels that they want to get the U S military back for what they did. Um, whether it was, you know, taking credit for sinking their warship, you just don't want a position where, you know, going back to real politique, you don't want to be in a position where the most powerful militaries in the world, the most nuclear heavily armed militaries in the world are, have such a toxic relationship that you're in this position where you're calling them your enemy. You're saying you want to wipe out their economy. You want to create famine for their people. There's just a lot of ugly stuff going on. And, you know, I'm not on anyone's side on this thing. I think that the war just needs to come to an end. Um, and, and it's getting so out of hand that it's becoming worrying. And of course, in the United States, we have a, a commander in chief who's basically, uh, you know, m- missing in, in action and he's, he's hardly there. So we don't even know who's in control of the situation. And with the Somalia thing, the, in the report, he, he signed off, you know, and re- remember Biden's like not all there. So he just, he signs his piece of paper, but apparently part of the executive order is the Pentagon has a green light to bomb anywhere in Somalia they want without the, pre- the authorization of the president. So that's also a very troubling sign. Um, but the good news is that, you know, his, uh, the Biden administration's approval is absolutely in the tank, um, declining rapidly. It'll probably be like single digits <laughs> by next year. And hopefully we can get him out of there in, through the, you know, election box. And because um, it's just it, America's in disastrous shape and, and the, the foreign policy is becoming very troubling. And you can see that the, you know, the military industrial cartel that they had four years, they had four years of uh, lower profits and worse business really because of Donald Trump, um, not because of the Republicans in Congress is really because of Donald Trump. So he deserves enormous credit for that. And hopefully we can get back to um, a position where our legislators and our president do not believe that it is in the country's interests, in the people of the country's interest, not in Raytheon or Boeing's interest, but in the people of the country's interest to be bogged down in all these ridiculous wars. You know, the lesson of the 21st century foreign policy making is they don't want us there. We shouldn't be there. There is no threat from there. And we need to get out of the whole business of doing the adventurism, the imperialism, the globalism, 
all those failed disastrous projects that have you know totally debased the currency made life um, both abroad and here worse we just need to get out of that business altogether and I think Somalia was the perfect example of um, that situation so I'll leave it at that thanks again for your time and I'll probably do another podcast um, tomorrow or Wednesday definitely Friday at noon as well all right thanks guys